Hey everybody, I'm Peter and I'm a sneaky little sneak, sneaking through all the sneaky little tubes. He's going to join me whether he wants to or not, it's Mike. Welcome to Rebels Rebels, the podcast where two buds chat batch and introduce each other in confusing, if not endearing ways. <laughs> yep, except for the times where I'm insulting you. Yeah, those are fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so we got two items on the agenda before we get to the episode. First of all, there is a little bit of news. Some of it is very pertinent to mm. this podcast. Did you hear that Bad Batch Season 2 is official? Yes, saw the announce. Yep, so not sure when it's going to come out, but yeah. it is official. Okay, yeah. I'm, yeah, I mean... Everything gets two two seasons, so <laughs> you know Resistance got two seasons, and that's all I'll say. Yeah, so let's um, see. I mean, this is already way better than Resistance, but yeah, yeah, totally. I'm, I'm. It did take a little bit away from me because I was just like, there was still a possibility this could be a limited series, and then that could set up something really yeah. crazy for the finale. Yeah, um, I but, know. You know, so it took a little bit away away from me for that, but you know, I am. Looking forward to seeing what the BBs get up to in the yeah. future. Yeah. Well, certain, this is the one thing I'll say certain seasons feel like they're set up for two seasons. Like Mandalorian, could you imagine that being ended in season one? Oh, like, yeah. No totally. Baby Yoda. Like, like, what? You'd be like, what? <laughs> but yeah. after season two, I was surprised they decided to keep going. Yeah. I mean, so I'm wondering if this will have that same kind of, you know, ending. Yeah. I mean, I think they had very little choice in a lot of ways for Mandalorian because it was such a smash hit. I yeah. don't know if Bad Batch is catching the cultural zeitgeist in that way. No way. No uh, way. But Not even yeah, close. we will see. Um, and then the second big news, you might be interested in this as a family man. Did you hear the news about Star Wars Galactic Cruiser, the luxury hotel that is being built for <laughs> Walt Disney World? No, but I will not go on a cruise ship. So it's not a cruise ship, and oh, okay. that, but that's the um, that's the gimmick about it. It's actually a very cool idea. So the idea is you're essentially taking a space cruise ship in the Star Wars universe, oh, okay. um, but it's a sta- it's a stationary hotel. All the windows and stuff are actually L- like LED screens. Oh my god! So you okay. see space going by, and the catch is <gasps> that it's completely interactive, almost like you're LARPing. For your entire stay. And so you're supposed to be completely immersed in the Star Wars universe. And people will come up to you and try to recruit you to the Resistance or recruit you to the First Order. And if you, you know, decide to do the First Order, then your entire stay will change based on you performing spy missions throughout the hotel for the week you're there or whatever it is. Mm. Um, the catch, though... A little bit of the surprising news is, do you want to guess how much it would cost three guests to stay at the Star Wars Galactic Cruiser Hotel? For how long? I don't know. I should have probably looked that up. I'm going to ballpark. I'm going to look it up right now. A room is going to be $800 to $1,000 a night. All right. So whatever that pans out to, that's my guess. So... This is for two nights. Okay, so about so, sixteen to two thousand dollars for two nights for three guests. It is fifty two hundred dollars and ninety nine, fifty two ninety nine. 
Go F yourself, Disney. <laughs> I know. I will not give the mouse that much money. Yeah, There's people no people are very upset about that is so elite. So only it is. the rich elite. This is this sucks. Star mm. Wars should be for everybody, and that's not for everybody. Yeah, I'm and that obviously doesn't include, you know, how much it would cost oh, yeah. you to get there and yeah. things like that. Eat it's all that garbage. Yeah, it's no, I'm no, no, pretty no. shocked by this. And so Oh, see, I, I was going for the baller estimate. Like yeah, eight hundred I'm guessing eight hundred or a thousand a night. Like mm-hmm. this is like a schmancy. But like that is redonkulous. Like three yeah. guests is me, my wife, and our kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no. F off Disney. So you can you can yeah. suck on a lemon. I will <laughs> protest. That's not what Star Wars is. Star Wars is for everyone. Yep. I am on your side with that one. So that order of business is closed. Second order of business. I actually found that I have enough cards for the last two episodes. So we are going to do card game. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to be nice today. I picked the three easiest ones I possibly could. Oh, wow. Bless you. And so if you, you need to get your score up. So let's see if you can go for three for three on the card game. Are you ready, Mike? Maybe. Doesn't All right, matter. let's go. To remind the listener, these are the Wide Vision trading cards that came out with the Phantom Menace, aka Mike's favorite movie of all time. Are you, I am going to read the caption on the card, and Mike is going to guess what is on the front of the card. All right, card one, Mike. Let's do it. This card is called Hardworking Astromech Droid. What could be on the front of this card? Let's let's call it R two D two. The front of this card is R2-D2. On the back, it says, with a little help from R2-D2, Anakin's pod racer engine finally ignites with a roar. All right. Let's call that a slam dunk. Nice. All right. Let's see if you can get this one, Mike. This card is entitled, Inside the Pod Race Hangar. What do you think could possibly be on the front of this card? I'm going to say we're inside the pod race hangar. Many pod race. Yeah. around. <laughs> on the day of the Bunta Eve pod race. Uh, oh, no. The day of the Bunta Eve pod race has arrived in the main hangar of the Moss Espa Arena. Qui-Gon and Jar Jar enter and pass a dozen or so pod racers being ready for the contest. There it is. All right, can you go three for three? This one's a doozy. All right, right. see if you can figure out what is on the front of this card. (laughs) This card is entitled The Battle Droid Army. I'm going to say it's mostly the Battle Droid Army. (laughs) You are correct. This card is showing the Battle Droid Army, and on the back it says, as the battle ranges, Gungan warriors use shield generators mounted on massive reptilian-like Famba? I didn't know that's what those were called. F-A-M-B-A-A. Famba. To deflect the deadly blast of the enemy artillery. So that's what it says on the back. But the front of the card is just a picture of the droid army standing there. Nothing I just said is actually on the card. But there you go, Mike. Three for three. I just want to dedicate this one to (laughs) just my teammates and to God. I feel in this podcast podcast tonight. Yeah, nice. I, I just thought you really needed a win. So thank you. I do. I appreciate that. Yeah. So let's chat about Batch. Mm. How are you feeling about this episode, Mike? Glad it's a two parter. 
mm-hmm. um, because it was one of those episodes that really kind of had that slow ramp and then really accelerated at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I mean, overall, I, I was captivated pretty much the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it felt, it felt strong. Um, I'm glad we have some, what we have some seeming crosshair resolution because, mm-hmm. um, I'm getting a little sick of the dynamic Yeah, between crosshair and Hunter and, and the crew. Um, but overall, I, I thought it, I thought it was good, if not slightly underwhelming for a penultimate episode. Mm-hmm. But that being said, this is the penult- penultimate episode of a season one. Mm-hmm. Um, which if I'm comparing the ending to like what, let's, let's just do a side note. What happened at the end of season one for Rebels? Let me look at, I have to refresh my memory. I don't know what happened to the very last episode, but I don't remember the penultimate episode. Because yeah, the very last episode, Ahsoka showed up. Yeah, I remember that. and I'm, Yeah, which is always funny because she always shows up <laughs> at the end of the season. Yeah, what are you, what are you betting that she's going to show up on this one too? Uh, she could be in the next one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so episode 14, Rebel Resolve, was the, ep- was the episode where Kanan was uh, captured. And so... Will Huff Tarkin was interrogating Kanan and they had to go, um, they had yeah. to go rescue Kanan from Will Huff and the Grand Inquisitor. Which is pretty ironic that Will Huff is kind <laughs> of the big bad at the end of each of these. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Looming in the background. Um, I guess that feels on part of that. Yeah. What's, what's so. interesting is when we recorded Rebels, we had seen all of Rebels and we were doing mm-hmm. a rewatch. Unlike this, where we are, you know, doing episode to episode. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think about this episode? So the first thing that jumped out at me was that I actually felt like this was probably the most Star Warsy episode, at least in tone for me. Mm. And that carried it quite a bit for me. Because, I mean, the things I like about Star Wars, it isn't a giant, you know action movie where things are happening every sure. second. I like the slower pace. I like the tension. This felt very dark. Um, so some of the things that jumped out with me was the, and I'm sure we'll talk about this is it's a, uh, you know, the join me and we will be stronger. The yeah. thing that crosshair says to Hunter to try to get him to join the empire. That's obviously a very classic yeah. uh, star Wars. Also, if you noticed the music cues, which, were incredible during this episode. I feel like we talk about how we don't notice the music very often. Um, But when we do notice the music, it really is good. There were these cool stabs of just like, boom, when uh, Crosshair was doing his monologue, which is cool. And then in the beginning of the episode, they were using John Williams' score um, from Attack of the Clones. So it kind of tied in the olds or the, the prequels with the Attack of the Clones stuff, obviously closing the chapter on what happened with Camino and the clones. And then it kind of also tied new Star Wars with me, um, you know, yeah. talking about what's happening now. Cloning is firmly within the Empire's control. And we know that cloning, you know, reaches to all the yeah. way to Rise of Skywalker. Um, 
the scene of the Star Destroyers kind of slowly going to the atmosphere and bombarding the Camino base. That felt yeah. very new Star Wars to me. So yeah. I don't know, it just felt very Star Wars to me. And I really enjoyed the vibe. Yeah. I, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, the, I mean, going back to what I was saying about the join me and we will be stronger conversation. I thought there were a couple of things with crosshair that point that came out that I thought were super interesting. And the first thing was when he had that exchange with Hunter where he said, where Hunter said, you tried to kill us. We didn't have a choice. And crosshair was like, and I did. And that was earlier in the episode before the revelation about him having his chip removed, um, which I think I want to talk about as well. But I thought that was a, pretty interesting bit of perspective. Um, do you think Crosshair is saying he didn't have a choice because at the time we didn't know about the inhibitor chip? Was he saying, you know, I didn't have a choice because there's something wrong with me and I have this chip in my head? That seems to not be true. So Crosshair is just saying he didn't have a choice because he was following orders? Yeah, I have no idea what that meant. I'm glad you brought that up because yeah. everything's a little off sync and I'm, I'm guessing the last episode will <laughs> reconcile a lot of these kind of incongruities that we're bumping into. Mm-hmm. Um, part, yeah. of me, part of me wonders like, did you get your chip? You thought you got your chip removed, but they amped it up. Like, mm-hmm. like, is there, is there foul play going on here? Like, do you think you're telling the truth? Are you lying? Like, I just, Yeah. I, I feel like I'm I'm shooting in the dark a little bit to understand his motives because they're not clear to me at all. Like this is just who I am. I I I don't know enough about Crosshair's past to believe mm-hmm. like that he's been nurtured into this person yet. So there's just a lot about Crosshair I don't understand. Yeah. But it's kind of a cheap like I need to know more, but I just need <laughs> to know more about him and what's going on here. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the thing that really jumped out at me was, you know, before Crosshair said anything about removing his chip, I was like, oh, that's some interesting awareness on his part. I wonder what that breadcrumb is. And then he seems to very clearly say, no, this is who I am. I had my chip removed a while ago, which seems very vague. Um, So when did he have his chip removed? Did he actually have his chip removed? Um, Because when... Hunter first said, it's like, it's the inhibitor chip doing this to you. Crosshair has a very interesting look on his face that I interpreted it as him first learning about the chip in his head, which I might be completely wrong about that. Everything seems so muddled by this revelation that Crosshair had his chip removed. So I guess my question is, and it's an unanswerable one, is, is he lying? Does he still have the chip? Is that why he didn't have a choice? Or... I I don't yeah did he think he had it removed um I don't know it's all very unclear it's to me so muddled it's yeah. it this feels like the classic like I don't know it 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 feels like and we only have a week to go but it feels mm-hmm. like that moment when we were in between the last Jedi and the rise of Skywalker where theories or even in between Force Awakens and the last yeah. Jedi where theories were just flying off the wall and we were just asserting tons of opinions and theories that <laughs> never came true yeah. and went totally different directions 
and things were unreconciled, it feels like that kind of moment to me mm-hmm. where it's just like, I almost don't even care to speculate yeah. because we're at this point, five days away when the yeah. air is four days away from knowing. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yep. Um, I agree. And I think too, obviously not as big of a revelation, but I did think when I, when I heard that, I was like, Whoa, there was the first time in this episode or this series, probably that I kind of had that reaction where I was just like, yeah. Oh, that's a bomb, which would happen every once in a while in rebels. Um, and be really, I don't know, engaging for me in a cool way. And I'm, I mean, it almost feels to me like the, I am your father thing. You know, I'm sure back in the day when Vader said, Luke, I am your father, there were a million people saying, wait, did, was he lying? Was yeah. he just manipulating Luke? Is that true? Uh, Could it possibly be true? Um, and that's a little bit what I'm feeling right now on a much smaller scale because that was yeah. definitely a much bigger bomb. Um, Although, so we'll, wait, we'll see. It is rare that shows people like this lie. You know what I mean? That's that's mm-hmm. a weird technique. Like, just have them lie. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it's probably true, is my guess, but there's some weird caveat to it. Yeah, or I could see because I mean that just seems like a weird thing. Like, what would the mechanics be for for Crosshair? I almost said Chopper because they're both psychos. <laughs> uh, for Crosshair to have his chip removed, I it's possible because you know Rex had his chip removed, um, kind of. Clandestinely, yeah. so it could happen. I guess the only way I could see the lie being happening is that he's trying to essentially manipulate Hunter. If he's trying to get Hunter to join the Empire, yeah, he just learned about this chip from Hunter, and instead of saying, essentially admitting his vulnerability, saying, "Oh, I'm the one being manipulated." By this chip i'm the one who's not in control of my actions he's kind of putting up putting his ego in front and saying oh no i had it removed this chip doesn't control me i'm in control of my own actions and that's why you should take me seriously and help join the empire um so i could see something along those lines which would be kind of an interesting i don't know it'd be interesting storytelling uh yeah. in my opinion but I don't know. It'd be it'd be a bit nuanced for a kid show. Like it, it not a kid show. This actually is not a kid show. <laughs> yeah. Um that's something I've been thinking about is how dark this this whole series is, to be honest. Literally and metaphorically. <laughs> Quite literally. This is a very hard to watch series for someone like me with poor vision. Like <laughs> like no kidding. It sucks to watch. Yeah, there's specific times a day I can't watch this show because the glare hits my window in a specific way that it shines on my TV and it's just too dark for me to it, make out anything. It's very real. It's hard to watch the show. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't feel like Clone Wars. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like uh it's it's quite it's a it's a heavy one. Um but uh, I don't know, that kind of nuanced storytelling is just like that's indie film stuff we're getting yeah. into. It just it doesn't feel like that would happen here. Well, I wouldn't say that that would be the or what's the opposite of subtext context. Uh, I don't know. 
uh, pro text. I don't just, know. Uh, just over text. story. Just text. Yeah. Really just text. Yeah. I, so I don't think it would be the text. I don't think, you know, Crosshair would be like, oh, I didn't want to admit that I was weak in front of you. So that's why I, I think it would just be like, I thought you had your chip removed. And he's just like, I didn't. I didn't even know about the chip. Like something like that. That it, yeah. would, it wouldn't be going that deep, but there would be the subtext underneath it that I think people could dive into. And I do think that Star Wars animation is quite capable of telling that type of story. I think there was a lot of stuff in Clone Wars and especially Rebels that, you know, the text was maybe more on par with young teens or kids and the subtext could be much right. deeper and darker. So maybe, maybe, maybe. it's, may, I'm, I guess maybe that's a hope for me that it might yeah. be going in that direction. Yeah, I mean, it's quite a possibility. Yeah. Um, yeah, wild. I, yeah, freaking wild episode, man. Yeah, the other note that I wrote was underwater bases are very cool. Camino is one of my favorite planets. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm a little sad that we probably won't be going back there ever again. Yeah, it's that, so that was actually the biggest moment to me is they're destroying the cloning facility. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't mean the end of Camino, just of this facility. Mm-hmm. But I thought that was kind of wild, and I had to like do a, a bunch of mental math. Like, okay, where in the timeline are we? Have I seen this before? And I'm like, okay, I guess I've never seen the cloning facility after Clone Wars, so this yeah. checks out in my mind. But uh, still, kind of wild. Uh, totally, that's yeah. happening. I mean, we're destroying a a, a major. <laughs> A major <laughs> base of Star Wars. I mean, this was in this was a, a big set piece in uh, Attack of the Clones, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's kind of one of the things I was mentioning, which I think is interesting. The ties to the future is and the past is that destroying the cloning facility very literally literally closes the Clone Wars um, yeah. Yeah. because. You know, I'm sure the last remaining clones are getting phased out in one way or yep. another, which we we heard about. And now no one can clone, at least on Camino. And my guess is that the Empire would make cloning very illegal to try to make sure no one else can raise an army to fight against the Empire. But at the same time, Nala Say is still under control of the Empire being put to work. And I think that is very likely leading to Palpatine's cloning experiments that show themselves in Rise of Skywalker. So yeah. I think that's kind of an interesting through line through the entire series. Yeah. No, it is. Yeah. And I, and I feel like this does feel like the end of the clone era to me in a big way, which mm-hmm. is interesting because we've never had that clear definition in star wars it's always been like well this show ends here and the show starts here <laughs> and something happens mm-hmm. in between so who knows so this is really kind of bookmarking things pretty neatly yeah. um one little thing that was said that i was like oh uh was i i forget um, someone in the bad batch was talking and they were saying oh those are the new tk units and mm-hmm. i had never considered stormtroopers like that as like that's the beginning of <laughs> tk in some yeah. ways. Uh, and I just thought that was kind of nice, a nice little touch. Yeah. I want to be the bureaucrat who's like, okay, you're TK one, you're TK two, you're TK three. 
Well, what was uh, and so when that happened, I started thinking about what was Finn's number. It was like FN, yeah, blah blah was, blah, yeah. And so are the FNs? They're different than the TKs because they're part of, uh, you know, they're not part of the. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, they're part of they're part of the first order, not yeah. part of the empire. Yeah. Yep. So I just thought, uh, yeah, it'd be yeah. It's interesting that we're like dividing these things so neatly. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Um, I bet we can actually, we could probably calculate how many stormtroopers there were based on Finn's number. Because my assumption would be that it would just start with like A1, A2, A3, and then we go all the way through the alphabet, then be like AA1, AA2. Yeah. Um, so I bet some someone do that math and get back to us about how many stormtroopers there would have to be to get all the way up to FN. Um, but my only other notes are kind of superficial things. I mean, I think the thing that we didn't talk about is that it was kind of cool for me seeing the training ground again, because that is kind of where this all started. If you're counting, um, I mean, there are a lot of beginnings to this. You know, I wrote the underwater bases are very cool when there's that cool scene where Omega's like lower, lower, and they went down and the platform came uh, up yeah. through the water. And then we saw the lab where it looks like the Bad Batch and Omega were the only ones that were essentially birthed there. So yeah. we touch on that beginning. And then if you think about it, the training ground is really where the Bad Batch became complete with Omega. Um, that's where we saw the first episode and there's the big set piece there. And that's where this is going to end. Um, at least in terms of Camino for them. Um, and so I thought that was kind of a nice touch as well. Both of those things. Yeah, it was interesting. I, um, I struggled with whether or not that was supposed to be an emotional moment. Like we were all created here mm-hmm. and I was like, eh, that's cool, but it's not tugging at the heartstrings by any means. Uh, no, I mean, it is kind of interesting to me that I, my assumption was always because the way they talk about it is what do they say that they're defective clones? Yeah. Mutations. Yeah. And so that kind of implies that it was an accident. What this yeah. sets up is the fact that they were an experiment. They were yeah, a pro- exactly. product of something else. So uh, that was kind of an interesting touch there for sure. Yeah. Um, and if, yeah, it seems like maybe even actually they're intentionally created because this was a secret mm-hmm. lab of, what, what's her? Nala Say. Nala yeah. Say. It's her secret lab where she was specifically creating these clones. So if yeah. anything, it seems more intentional than before. Yep. And I mean, according to Omega, no one else knew about this lab or the secret tunnels. So Nala Say had a whole big agenda that we're not yeah. really aware of. And I'm and wondering what that is. Still alive. So yep, still alive. She, she plays some role in the future here. Yep. Um, one thing I thought was kind of funny was where are we going? The very first scene where they're on their way to Camino and Hunter's like, where are we going? And Crosshair's like, you'll find out soon enough. It's like, is it Camino? I read the title of the episode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. Another fun little touch was um, Tarkin saying, "You may fire when you're ready." Or, or, or Tarkin whatever. Jr. I forgot that guy's name. It wasn't actually Tarkin. It was what? the the new baddie. Yeah, 
No, that was targeting. You said that. You make no, fire when you're ready. Yes. Was it? Oh my gosh! Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that was. That was just targeting. You right. make fire when you're. Anyway, it was a verbatim from A New Hope. Interesting. Okay, I'll I'm, take your word like, for it. Like, and part of me was thinking, like, did they just literally pull from A New Hope to say that? N- now I'm now I'm scrubbing the episode. To find <laughs> but yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty find sure it. it's. I'm pretty sure it's Tarkin going. You may fire when you're ready. Yeah, I thought it was. Um, you know, brown hair Tarkin, the new baddie. I forgot no, his name. That guy's so I don't boring. care about him so much. Like yeah, that's I don't even something. remember his name. <laughs> Um, yeah. while, while you look that up, I also, there were many Easter eggs. This is not a very, this has become not a very Easter eggy series, which is kind of interesting, but, um, there were some fish that swam by that had pointy ears when they were in the underwater tubes. And my first thought was loath fish. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like a star Wars thing they would do is like, yeah, loath fish. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, loath it. Everything's a loath something, even. Not I know. Yeah, exactly. No, so it is. It is Tarkin. Okay. You may fire when ready, and like okay. it's literally what he says in a new hope. I'm pretty sure. Dope. All right. Good or, call then. Or when, when when is that said? Or is that? Yeah, that was that was a new hope. That was uh, when they destroy on the on the Death Star when they destroy Alderaan. Ugh. That that new guy is so boring. Yeah, I thought he was about to get some cool. I thought he was gonna be cool because he had a couple moments of real creepiness in the Hera episodes, but yeah. I don't know. Uh, he just kind of went back to being a nothing to me so far. I will say the Star Destroyer moving through the kind of storm and clouds mm-hmm. coming into Camino was a pretty epic. Yeah, uh, pretty epic visual. There was a couple visuals in this one. Overall, it was just like super dark episode, like mm-hmm. almost darker than most. Yeah. And uh, yeah, didn't love it. Yeah. Well, I guess that kind of gets, I don't, I don't have any other thoughts. Do you have any other thoughts? No, I mean, I'm, I'm going to continue my same old story and say I'm not super pumped for the next episode, to be honest. Um, Oh gosh, this is going to sound crappy. I'm pumped that this is going to be over. <laughs> and I know that sounds crappy. Well, I don't know if this is, maybe you want to talk about what we we're talking about offline. I think, you know, at least the part about how you're kind of missing the humor or the whimsy of yeah. this series. Yeah, it's not there. I'm watching Freemakers for the first time and having so much fun. I think it's so silly mm-hmm. and goofy and it's, the Freemaker Adventures. I, I just got. I just finished mm-hmm. season one, and I'm on the season. There's only two seasons. I'm on a couple episodes in the season two, and it's just silly and fun and relaxing, and not dark. So visually not dark, so I don't have to <laughs> strain my eyes. Um, but this show is just missing that. Even Mandalorian had some whimsy and humor, and it's yeah. like Wrecker is kind of the stand-in here for that, but. He's not entirely successful at it. There's no levity. Like, I could not watch this series with my wife. Yeah. Mandalorian, she loved. Mm-hmm. She's not a Star Wars fan, and she loved Mandalorian because there was Baby Yoda brought the levity, but Omega wouldn't do that. Wrecker wouldn't do that for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, I don't know. There's this. The show is 
it's it's odd. It's it's not it's it's in that Clone Wars kind of like this is for this is a deep cut. Mm-hmm. Um and it's like where resistance went way too much levity. This one is going way too much on the other side. Um Yeah. And, yeah. And I mean I, I think it's good like uh, my benchmarks are always the movies, you know. Yeah. And I think, like I said, this feels very Star Wars to me still. But I've brought up Empire Strikes Back quite a few times, especially, you know, the destruction of Hoth kind of feels like the destruction of Camino. Um, This whole series feels like a series of Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Um, And it's, that's a very dark movie. And so I think I am feeling what you are dropping. And I agree is that, yeah, I'm missing some levity. I'm missing some lightness. Some yeah. Rebels had it. Yeah. Rebels carried it well. I think look at Rebels as a great example of doing mm-hmm. an animated series well um, and earning moments. This is just heavy and this is just heavy too quick and too much. Yeah. And dark and heavy too often. Yeah, and I think that's there's there's a complexity to Maybe this is, this is a new thought. So I'm, I'm saying it in real time. I don't know if I'll stand by it, but there's a new thought. But there's a complexity to the characters that we love in Star Wars. You know, Anakin Skywalker can be the darkest person in the series, but can also be someone who trains and nurtures Ahsoka and brings a lot of joy and love to Padme and the people around him. Han Solo even... That's one of the reasons why we love Han Solo. He's part like, I don't care at all about like anything. And he's a badass pirate, but you know, he's also kind of a goofy dork who just mess ups all the time. Um, and rebels had that, you know, Kanan is serious Jedi master, but he's also a goofy dad, you know? And the bad batch is almost like they're all there. There's no, there's no goofy dad. There's just five grumpy dads. <laughs> I mean, Wrecker's kind of the goofy older brother, but it's just like that's basically all he is. Like, there's there isn't a lot of depth to yeah. any of them yet. And I thought I was hoping that was something that would be fleshed out a little more, and we would see a little more growth there. It's it's part of the reason why I think you know Din Djarin, whatever his name is, Mando he's kind of the most boring part of the Mandalorian is because yeah. he's just the one thing he's grumpy dad. He's just, and he's surrounded Ugh. by characters who are so different. They bring him up. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and do you know what's, uh, I, I hate to go on this rant, but one of the, my issues with this episode is this severed tribe does not work. Well, Hunter is captive to crosshair who are the two grumpiest of <laughs> people. And then you have, I don't even know their names, Wrecker, Tech, and Echo. Mm-hmm. Those three together. And that's a squad that is not fun to watch. That's just because Echo and Tech are just the same person. Yeah. And then Wrecker and Omega, it's just like, it's it's not an enjoyable cast. It's just weird. You're lacking a lot. But then Hunter and and Crosshair are somewhat the same as well. (laughs) 
Like these leader alphas with, you know, tough exteriors and Hunter is a lot softer on the inside, but the five of them aren't different enough and don't balance each other well. That's probably my biggest issue with the Bad Batch is the characters are very out of balance for me. Yeah. There's, there's, It's not a complete team. I mean, just get rid of Echo. And it's even a better get rid of Echo and Crosshair, <laughs> and it's even a more balanced team because then you just have Tech Hunter and Wrecker. Like even that works better, mm-hmm. but you have too many similar personalities. I don't know, and it just doesn't work well. Yeah, I think it's the difference between a character-based show and a plot-based show or universe-based show. I don't know exactly what, but. You know, I think the reason we love Rebels, the reason we love a lot of Star Wars is because of the characters, Um, you know, is even A New Hope. Is that the most holy original story of all time? No, there's a million references that are almost straight up stolen from movies that George Lucas lifted. But the characters are so cool and you kind of fall in love with them. Um, And I think at the heart of Star Wars, Star Wars is the best when it's a character based show. And I think this episode or the series is cool to me because of what's happening in the universe. You know, it's not very often where we're like, oh my God, I loved this episode because of this thing Hunter did or because of this thing Tech did or this growth in Echo. We're saying the parts when it's cool is, oh, I never saw that side of uh, Order 66. Oh, I never knew that's how the Camino cloning uh, building got destroyed and that era of Clone Wars ended. Like, I never, I love seeing the Empire take over and what that's like on citizens. And that's much different than saying you love the heart of the show, which should be the Bad Batch. Yeah. No, it should be. The Bad Batch should be the heart of the show, and they were severed in episode, like, three when Crosshair <laughs> left. But to be honest, they never felt whole mm. because they're just so unbalanced as a character study. Yeah. And, I've, yeah, I think we've hit the heart of it. Peter, if there's one episode I want people to listen to as a critique, it would probably be this <laughs> because I think we've, like, in my mind, I think we've just nailed it with that critique. Yeah. Um, which is sad because I would love to be nailing it with a, a raving review instead of critique. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to be critiquing star Wars, but, yeah. um, to be honest, this is why I don't look forward to it every week. Mm-hmm. Fair and, enough. I, I do you know what I am looking forward to star Wars, Lego, the spooky tales. <laughs> I'm so which, excited. This is a plug in October. Peter and I will be reading Vader's castle the four-part comic series, and watching the Lego Spooky Tales. It's going to be fun. Yep. That'll definitely be fun. I'm, uh, (laughs) it's, it's funny. My, this is where my white half really shines, but I am so into spooky season. So this is right up my, this is right up my alley. Give me some pumpkin spice lattes and some spooky seasons. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, so. Do you, let's get to our grading scale. Um, it's interesting because while we were talking, I actually had to change my grading scale um, to a slightly lower grade. <laughs> um, but mm-hmm. I do still want to say that I actually still enjoyed this episode. I, you know, I think the critique is fair, and I think it's good good that we said it. But 
I personally, at least I still enjoyed this skit, this, uh, episode. So I'm going to start and say that we are grading this on favorite sidekick to least favorite sidekick, which by the way, I don't even remember how we started that, but, um, my favorite sidekick is Ahsoka Tano and my least favorite sidekick in star Wars is Jar Jar Binks. No hate to Jar Jar. Still love him even, but just works the least well for me. Yeah. Between those two sidekicks, I give this episode Poor gullet. Oh, God. <laughs> like I said, I thought of this in the moment. And so I'm like, yeah, he's kind of like a sidekick to Sagara. <laughs> and I like the poor gullet. I, I laugh about it a lot. That's, That's a funny. B plus for me. That is funny. Yeah. So I um, did overall like this episode. How about you, Mike? Uh, it, it's it's interesting. On a scale of Jar Jar Binks being my least favorite to K2SO being my most favorite sidekick, I'm going to give this episode a Beckett from Solo. Mm-hmm. Um, someone who's probably not going to stay on the test of Star Wars time. I don't know if Beckett will pop up ever again. <laughs> it was good in the moment. It worked for the episode. It got them through. But I don't know if we'll ever hear much more about Beckett. The Bad Batch for me is kind of starting to feel like that. It's working now. It's it's fine. It's it's pushing the plot forward, but I don't know if we're going to ever look back and be like, that was a great character. That was a great <laughs> moment. Yeah. In this episode, so Beckett for me is just like a solid B. It's a moving mm-hmm. function. B, B plus. It just moves the story. I love Solo, but I don't think about Beckett. I love Star yeah. Wars. I don't know if I'm going to think about Bad Batch again. Fair enough. Cool. Well, with that, let's end this episode. You know where we you can find us. You can find us at rebelsrebelspod at gmail, or you can search rebelsrebelspod on Instagram mm-hmm. or Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, please check us out and tell your friends about us. If you want to leave us a please. review, that will be very helpful. Um, and until next time, do you want to see us out, Mike? Peter, I was- I would love to. I would love to. <laughs> that beer you're drinking just <laughs> just came up on you, didn't it? <laughs> I had one beer and I got the hiccups. <laughs> Remember to be brave out there and don't look back. Don't look back.